Hello, everyone. We are counting down here to the NFL draft, the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, this is the Ravens Draft Central podcast brought to you by Russell Street Report, episode two. Um, I'm joined, um, this is Dev Panchwa from Russell Street Report, and I'm joined by the illustrious James Ogden. Uh, James is our maestro uh, for for the, all things NFL draft at Russell Street Report. You can also um, we're, we're starting here with the pod podcast. We had our inaugural episode covering offensive tackles. Uh, we know that's a point of interest for the fan base, but the episode two here is going to focus on cornerbacks. But uh, before we dive into the particulars, uh, James, how are you doing, man? Oh, bad thanks. Illustrious was was very kind. Dev, thanks for that. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pouring it on with my intros for you um, because I think the fan, I think the fans that are getting to know you and they, they definitely are, are like appreciating all the hard work. I mean, just to give you guys an idea, like James pumps out like a hundred and what do you do profiles for 150 plus prospects? Is that correct? Or am I? I'm yeah, I'm gonna failure, well, failure there. You set me up for failure a little bit there. I'm probably not gonna <laughs> get to 150, but yeah, pro- probably at least 100 plus. Um, and you know, so I'm what I'm through about 45 to 50 now. Um, they'll start to post on, on some of them will start to post on Russell Street Report soon. Um, and on 45 to 50, I'm kind of already on 35,000 words, so these are these are pretty in depth. It's a monster, so uh, but giving um the fan. Take a step back. Well, uh, this podcast is our our dive into the positions. Uh, we're going to talk about specific prospects that align up for the Ravens at pick number fourteen uh, or whereabouts, like the top guys. And um, you'll also get the chance to read about individual the individual prospect profiles. So all this will be available, as James mentioned, on Russell Street Report, and then you'll have a chance also to get into the specific Ravens Draft Central site itself. And, um, you know, kinda, we, we know uh, there's been a, uh, you know, there's been a drum banging of the drum for Ravens draft content. And the thing we're trying to do here is make it as tailored to the Ravens as possible. So James is already doing that. It's been doing that with the scouting reports and um, but we'll also do that here in this pod and we'll talk about a lot of different you know, alignments that we see between these players and the Ravens themselves. Um, so with that, without further ado, let's kind of jump in cornerback. Um, I think it's an interesting position because, um, you know, I've had conversations with people that think that it's very, very important. It's, it's extremely important. It's, it's like top dog and next offensive attack. I think offensive tackle, we, an offensive line is kind of like always grouped number one but this could be argued as number two or you know three um and i i think it's like number three or four personally um but we can get into all that there's reasons though um if you look at the ravens state of affairs right now their depth chart it's pretty shaky um marlon humphrey marcus peters they're coming off of season ending injuries marlon humphrey um towards biceps i believe so i think he's a little bit more like he's going to be back there's no question right like marcus peters though towards the cl he's 29 uh, i think he's, he's 29 right he's gonna be turning 30 um so that's concern and 
and everything he's said to this point is that he's on track. He'll be there at training camp. That's all good. That's all good. But these are the two guys that are under contracts, big contracts, and they're both all pro corners. So you feel good about that. And I think, you know, Marcus Peters was tremendously missed. There's no, I think in in some ways other than Lamar and Ronnie, I mean, he's, he's right there. So like the time he missed, that hurt the defense in multiple levels, and we'll get into that. But then there's also also these other players, right? They're losing Anthony Avert to free agency. I don't think they'll be able to keep him. Then they have Tavon Young under contract. His contract, his cap hit, I mean, his cap number is, I think, close to $9 million. So what are the odds that they're going to keep him, right? He's had a history of injuries. So the bottom line is that cornerback is very much a sneaky need position on the on many levels the ravens as historically have wanted to always have at least three really good corners i mean as of late they've been really making it a point of emphasis if you want to even go into like well under wink martindale who's no longer the defense coordinator but i mean when he took over he had brandon carr he had jimmy smith he had marlin so it's kind of been like where they're comfortable so stop there for a second james i mean Let's take a look at I me and what, what are your impressions um, of this group? And like, I guess overall, like, how do you feel about it going into the 2022 season? Yeah, I, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head on a lot of, on a lot of points there. I think the thing, the thing I would add that's extra is sort of that one of the other things the Ravens have a history of doing is building their roster to um, compete against the contenders in their division. And you, you, I, the one that always sticks out really clearly to me was when we, when the Ravens had, um, you know, were playing the Steelers at the height of their powers. Um, probably it must have been like a decade ago now. Probably when they um, had uh, James Harrison and Lamar Woodley um, sort of running right on both both edges. They always preached making sure they had bookend offensive tackles to be able to to neutralize those guys. So I do wonder whether corner is a need from that perspective too because you have to have three guys that can match up with Boyd, Chase and Higgins if you're if you're going to dethrone the Bengals so it does feel like corner is a high need the other thing I'd say so and I I sort of agree with you with the the kind of state of the of the roster at the moment I think um, they've got some intriguing kind of guys at the to the lower end of the roster um, but you know not nobody that's sort of touches um Marlon or, or Peters and like you say I think I agree with you that the Avery won't be able to come back I think the thing that is really makes this an interesting conversation is that I think corner is the most likely position where talent will match with need at 14 in this draft it fit there are a number of corners you know when we were talking about the offensive tackles, there were three that I think will already be gone. And then there was a fourth that would potentially, you know, be a, there would be other talented players that you'd want to take above, above him. There's a, there are four corners we're going to talk about today. All four of them have a chance of being there for the Ravens at 14, if certain scenarios play out. So there's a real chance that corner in terms of talent and need will match up really well at 14. And, and, you know, I think there, it it is a need. Like I I think you you do need that, that third corner, Peters is getting a little bit old. Marlon's coming back from injury. You know, you, I think it, it does. It is a. It is a. It would make sense to invest a premium pick in that position. 
Yeah, there's a lot of reason, uh, compelling reasons um, when you talk about this position as to, as to what you said, the talent that's available. Uh, but, you know, then, then, then it's like competition, right? Like you're playing, the, you're playing the Chiefs, you're playing the Bills, you're playing the Bengals in the division itself. Um, the Steelers exploited the Ravens as well uh, last year, two games with their receivers and uh, that passing game. I, I know that the last year was a little bit of a, like there's no point in even bringing it up because there were so many, they were decimated, but it still is a factor, right? Like, do you win an arms race with your, your corners? Is that how you do it? And I think philosophically there's going to be some changes as well, because I do think that what Martindale the overemphasis of the cornerback position and putting the pressure on those corners to, ha- to hold up. Again, they, they had a blitzing attacking style. Does that change? I think it will. I think they'll get like more. I think they'll, I'll think, I think they'll do less of those blitzes. I think they'll kind of scale it back some, but it's still going to be a part of their DNA even with Mike McDonald taking over as defensive coordinator. And in this league, you need three good corners no matter what. So even if you were to argue that they need, like, all pros at all three levels, I don't know. Uh, but, but regardless, it's a need. And to your point, the bigger thing is there's guys there that could be way too tempting for the team not to, to take. So I think the next thing we should, we should jump into is, is we're at the combine right now. Um, this group is um, we're front and center here recording on Friday. So I think this group is set to do workouts. Uh, is it today? Is it tomorrow? Right. I can't remember which day, um, but they're, they're coming up. Actually, no, they're at the end of it. The, they're usually at the end. So that that's usually the group that they reserve at the end. Um, but DaCosta's there and he had some thoughts about the corners and he, he talked about, somebody asked him, what does he look for in a corner, which we always want to unpack as well. What are the Ravens looking for? Well, you know, he talks about the challenges um, of the position, but he talks about athletic ability, speed, and then a Warriors mentality, ball ball skills. Warriors mentality, I think, was interesting because he talks about you need to have a thick skin, you need to be competitive, you need to be able to bounce back. Um, And I know that's kind of like the mentality of any good corner, but uh, yeah, I I think when you have a defense that's reliant on their corners to be able to hold up in isolation, isolation coverage, they're going to get embarrassed at times. So uh, that's just something I, I definitely, they don't hide their corners here in Baltimore. So you've got to be able to definitely have that mentality of like utter confidence that you can come back from it. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, he has some interesting things in the statement, James, I don't know if you want to add to this, but a lot of like, he basically, kind of like did a lot of our work for us <laughs> up front with I thought just a very well thought out response. Yeah, he really did. He gave quite an insight into what 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 they look for. Um I do think the thing that that he that he didn't mention that I think they look for is is skills at the line of scrimmage. Um specifically playing playing in press man um and, and also playing with a jam. He he may have sort of um he may have covered that off in, in his head in the kind of warrior's mentality type bit where you kind of have the toughness to be able to do that. But it's not just about hands and not just about play strength. So there's a there's a bunch of ways that people have. So I, I do think ball skills are important. Uh, um, uh, line of scrimmage skills are important to them. Um, but I, I really liked what he was talking about. I liked the the focus on ball skills and that's an interesting, 
interesting um, conversation to have about this class specifically. Yeah, so before we get into this class individually, I do want to say, like, also, this is a group, uh, this, the, the, what he outlined is all phenomenally, you know, helpful, right? What he didn't, but he kind of alluded to it, right? Ball skills translate to what? Picks, plays, got to make plays. This defense is extremely playmaking deficient. They are getting Peters back. He's arguably the, I think he's, you know, top five playmaker in, the, in, in any way, shape, or form in a secondary role, whether it's safety or corner. Um, you can look at, I mean, I think still is up there in terms of the most interceptions um, in the league during his career. So that helps. Humphrey's also a playmaker. We know that he's, he's, he's created fumbles. Um, they didn't happen as much last year though. So regardless, this defense has, I think, fallen off on that ability. So the, it's nice that, you know, you have guys that can, you know, track the play. You have guys that can be in position, got to have guys that are going to take some chances, gamble, make the play. And, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis, no, no doubt, in this group. And that is also another way, too, by the way. Like, on defense, we talk about making plays. It's it's getting sacks. It's rushing the quarterback. It's creating turnovers. But it's also you can do that, and you can make that happen with one of these cornerbacks in this draft. So um, I think that sets things up all very well for the guys we're going to talk about because they can all do that. Um, let's jump in. To the first guy on the list uh, you have here, Andrew Booth Jr. I mean, we know he's, I think, I mean, big game experience, right? Like, you know, just playing at that high level, high level competition. He, he brings that in spades. Um, but I'm going to let you take it away and, and not steal your thunder here. But, you know, I know he's also one of your favorite players in the class. So might be giving that away, but. Um, yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think I think that's fair to say, right? No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So he was the first guy I gave a red star to, um, and so red the red star thing is um, for everybody who doesn't know the Ravens. I'm sure people maybe do that are listening to this podcast. The the red star process that the Ravens go through is that they place a red. They allow every scout in the room to place a red star on a player, and um, that says that 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 player plays like a Raven. Um, and they often refer to it when they when they take players if they take players that did have red stars on them. Um, Andrew Booth, I, I, as part of my evaluation process, give out red stars. I don't give out just one, but I do normally limit it to um, single figures. It's usually 10 or less than 10. Um, Andrew Booth was the first guy I gave a red star to this year. Um, first things first, just a little bit of context that I think people aren't aware of. So when when you see Andrew Booth not in the top 10 of me of the kind of big national media analysts. And when you see Andrew Booth down in the twenties in mock drafts, or maybe not even in the first round, which I have seen, I think whether it's rankings or whether it's mock drafts, some of them are informed by, um, by NFL teams and what they, what they're thinking. And one of the things that you have to account for with Andrew Booth, with all of this is that he has had a lot of injuries. Um, so it's something that's not really talked about very much with him. He had kind of what you would probably refer to as nagging injuries in his sophomore season that limited him to just four starts in 11 games. Um, and his hamstrings, he had a hamstring strain his junior year, which was his last year in college, um, which also caused him some issues, but he played through all of those and didn't miss a game. So 
the thing with Booth is I do think they're, you know, reading between the lines of what the coaches have said about him from Clemson, that there may have been just a little bit of frustration with him with not getting on the field as consistently as they would have liked, especially given the level of talent that he has. So I think that is something that is playing into evaluations across the league, I think, but obviously it's not really something we can speak to because we don't, we don't have doctors that are evaluating him and we don't uh, aren't able to speak to coaches and, and understand what went on there. But it is, I think, something that's factoring into his evaluation. If you take that out of it, um, and just look at him as a player. So he had a full season uh, his junior year this last this past year. Um, he plays mostly in off coverage for Clemson, so that's worth mentioning that you don't get to see a ton of press. You get to see more than what we'll talk about later with Trent McDuffie um, out of Washington. But you do get to see some of those line of scrimmage skills, and he's pretty impressive when he does press. You know, he's got um, he's got great footwork to match angles. He's his hands are good. He's got good play strength. So he's able to, to sort of redirect guys at the line of scrimmage. So he's good in press. Um, he's really good in press. So that's that's good. And obviously he hasn't been asked to do it very much. So when he but when he has done it, he's looked good. So uh, you know you feel comfortable projecting him to that role at the next level and possibly being even better than he was in college when he gets a chance to do more of it. I think he's consistently in phase. You know, the thing you're looking for from a cornerback is is can the guy mirror a guy in short areas and prevent the quarterback from targeting him? Booth does that extremely well. He does it with athletic ability. So I, I do think he's I do think he's got um great change of direction. I think he's got some explosion to him. There are some questions about his speed. Um, so we'll see, well, we won't see what he runs at the combine or we haven't seen what he runs at the combine when you listen to this because he isn't going to run the 40 at the combine. Um, but uh, I think at some point we'll obviously see him run and that will probably be at his pro day and, and we'll get an answer on that. It, it's a tough one to evaluate because I do think his processing is so good that his speed may be a little deficient. Um, I, I don't think it, I, you know, I don't think that's the case. I think he'll be comfortably a kind of four or five guy. I don't necessarily think he's going to blow the doors off, but I think he'll be fine in terms of, of what he brings to the table. And the thing about him is his processing is really good. You know, he will read route progressions um, when he sat back uh, in zone. He'll read wide, you know, little subtle wide receiver movements when he's locked up in man coverage. And he'll use that, he'll deploy that to be able to have good play speed and, and be able to, to stay in phase. He's got really smooth footwork. He has good ball skills. The, the the thing I would say is he's so there were three he had three picks this year and got his hands on three other balls so he doesn't get his hands on a ton of balls but I do think he does have uh, good ball skills at the at the catch point um, and I think the other thing that you know people need to be aware of him with his run defense is his you know he has a very quick trigger against the run he uses that processing very well he understands where things are going and he gets involved he's aggressive he's tough he wants to defend the run um, and he kind of plays with that physical edge he plays with that warrior mentality that, that Eric DeCosta talked about um, and to me that's why he's a red star you know I looked at uh, when Marlon Humphrey was drafted to the Ravens I, I really did miss the fact that you know, I think I, I glossed over him a little bit on tape and kind of missed the fact that he fit like a glove. And then when I went back and watched his tape, I was like, wow, yeah, this guy is a Raven. Um, and that's how I feel about Booth. Um, if we want to talk about his shortcomings just a little bit, like I said, I do, I wonder, you know, there are questions about his long speed and, and obviously I've, I've outlined the injury concerns. I think 
there is one thing with 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 him in press is that receivers can attack his leverage quite quite well. Um, that's I think due to his lack of experience rather than anything else. So they basically can widen him um, and then come back on in breaking routes and um, when he's got outside leverage um, and vice versa. So I do kind of that needs to needs to get fixed, but that's a technical thing that can get fixed. I think um, in terms of his ball skills on the kind of on his short passes to the side on short passes to the sideline, he can. Um, I think he could improve his timing on getting to the getting to the football. Um, and I, the other thing is, while I don't think he's a bad tackler by any stretch of the imagination, I actually think he's good and he's physical. There are times when he can force him in, himself into diving ankle tackles, and um, because of some of the angles he takes. Um, and he just does that more frequently than he needs to. Um, he could use his processing that he has to to a bit more effectively get himself into position to make more form and physical tackles, um, which you can see him do on film. But you can also see him get stuck in those diving ankle tackles. He actually makes a remarkable amount of those diving ankle tackles and gets people to the ground. But that's not necessarily going to be the case at the at the NFL, and you know he's going to have to he's going to have to get better at that. But like like you said, I'm a big fan. He's a red star for me. I think he's a great fit with the Ravens. I think he's um, a high talent corner. And I, I do think he's well worthy of the 14th overall pick. Yeah. So a lot of good points across the board. I, I will take a step back. I kind of flubbed a bit. DaCosta did talk about taking the ball away in his statement. He talked about ball skills translating to actually making the play or actually intercepting passes. So I do take 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 that one back. He talked about it specifically, you know, you have to be able to make game changing plays, talked about the uh, both ends, like being able to make the stop and also make the play. Um, I like him a lot too. Kind of reminds me a little bit, and this is a strong statement is like, maybe that doesn't have the press coverage ability as Marshawn Lattimore. But if you think of Marshawn Lattimore, there's not a single thing that he doesn't have in his game complete corner right like he's but size wise doesn't strike you as he's not as big as like Ramsey right but I think he's I think he's in the conversation a lot of people say Ramsey's the best I don't know man Marshall Lattimore I think is is pound for pound right up there with Ramsey and I think that the things he has going for him is he can mirror he can run he can he's not gonna um he doesn't have as much you know change of direction issues so the change of direction thing that's a big deal in today's NFL can you have a cornerback that can handle these sleek, you know, hard biting route runners that like have incredible change of direction and, and at receiver. So I think that's a big thing I like about him. I also like his um, the ball skills is like what I've seen. He goes up and gets it though. It's like when the ball's in the air, he times it. He has an uncanny knack to make some sort of a play. And I think that, that both um, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey are pretty good at that, like really good at that, maybe even like you know, top level. But I do think the um, there's a shortcoming of that, like has been across the other corners and, and or defensive backs. Like at the safeties, especially, I think are, are just not very adept at that. So like there's a knack for it, like just being able to understand when to go get the football um, in flight whether it's to go get it or to, 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 again, to be there, to not fall down. So that's like the heart of ball skills. And yeah, I mean, he, he really has a complete game. Uh, like you said, you can play the run, which is, we, we talk about as far as a Ravens fit is concerned, that's important. Like 
can you get off blocks? Can you stick your nose in there? Can you, can you make sure that you're not letting that gap loose um, so the outside is contained? So redirecting running backs inside. And so that's important as well. So he has all the traits. Now the question I think is more, like you said, the injury concerns are legit. Is he worth like taking that, taking him right then and there at 14? Or do you take a couple, again, like we talked about Trevor Penning in, in the first podcast, do you just drop down a few slots? Can you still get him? Those are things I think that are worth up for debate. Uh, but yeah, I think, is there anything else we need to hit on with this guy? I think we've, really throwing a lot of roses this way. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I will continually throw roses his way through the, through the process. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I do. I, like I said, I, I would, I would just take him at 14. I wouldn't have any problem with that. I think, um, he, like the, he, I think it's important to say he isn't like a perfect scheme fit with the Ravens because of the fact that he hasn't pressed that much in college, but I, like like I've said before on um, the Offensive Tackle podcast, we're in the projection business. So you have to watch enough film to be comfortable projecting projecting these players to different roles in, in the NFL. And for me, I've watched enough now where I feel pretty confident with Booth. And I also feel confident given all of the other aspects of his game where, where play strength shows up, both at the break point and the catch point. Um, as you've so um, eloquently mentioned, I just think... The guy plays tough. He plays with a kind of reckless abandon and relentless yeah. pursuit that you just mm-hmm. like he he has no I think part of the challenge with his injuries is that he just has no regard for his own um, yeah. safety and just throws himself around. Um, and maybe that could be a, a challenge to get to the NFL to try and play within himself a little bit more. But he's yeah. he's just exactly what you would want out of a Raven. Like I said, I think he really fits that warrior mentality that the the cost the touch upon that's the part that stands out i think like you just hit it the reckless abandon and the willingness to throw your body around and go up and get that football and take on you know whatever comes with it could be like you know it could be a colossal like you know devastating like collision right but he's willing to do that so we'll see the next guy on the list though is intriguing as well um we've got Derek stingley here uh, Derek Stingley Jr., I should say. A um, couple of things, you know, I think, and you can keep me honest on this, um, I believe he's dealing with the Liz Frank injury, and that has set him back as far as working out is concerned. What do we know of the latest on that? Do we have the latest on that, or is that kind of the story? No, that's the story. I, I think he'll be – I think he will be ready by his pro day to run um, because he is going to run out of the gym when he does eventually run. Um, the Liz Frank bothered him through the season. Um, so he missed a lot of games uh, this past season, just gone missed 10 games. Um, yeah. So that's the thing that's the, that's the concern. And um, yeah. 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 We'll get into that specific. Um, I didn't mean, you know, I think it's a pertinent thing to bring up before we talk about him, because let's be honest, like this is a team that was devastated by injuries last year. So I don't know. I have my I have my concerns. I'll I'll, I'll take I'll, a lot of them. Is that right? Because the Liz Frank is 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 a tough one, um, and especially at that position where you have to um, the, the your footwork and your ability to explode and, and pivot and, and move. It's it's we saw what happened with Hollywood Brown, where like he had the injury, he had the screws in his foot, 
he wasn't as explosive until um, pretty much like at the end of year two and then year three, he looked like himself. So it's, it could be a very, very, I would say a very pertinent factor just off the bat because you're talking about instant impact. But let's talk about, I think, your evaluation of him. Um, what do you see with him? Yeah, so I think that you hit the nail on the head there with the, the injury thing. And I think, you know, as much as it will factor into the evaluation with Booth, it's going to factor in with Stingley too because what guy are you getting is the big question with Stingley. Um, you know, he came in on his in his freshman year and was a phenom, really. Um, he missed a couple of games with an ankle injury in his sophomore year and by all accounts appears to have been dealing with injuries through the year um, and then missed most of his junior year. So really, you do have to go back and watch a good amount of his tape across freshman and sophomore year to get a real grip for who he is. Um, I actually don't think his sophomore tape was as bad as as many people sort of believe it to be. Um, I actually don't think it was that far off his freshman tape. The problem was he was so ridiculously good his freshman year that you, you kind of, there was always going to be a little bit of a come down from that because he was so, he was so good. First thing to talk about with him, I'm going to kind of flip the script a little bit because I really should, having been to the uh, student at the Scouting Academy, I really should talk snap to finish. But because of what the Ravens do prioritize and what because of what the cost has said, the first thing to talk about with him is ball skills. You know, his tracking, his timing and his placement, his hand placement are all elite. Um, he, he may not be the kind of throw himself around with reckless abandon like Andrew Booth is, but he he's... Um, more surgical with his ball skills at the catch point um, and consequently uh, got his hands on ridiculous amount of balls as a freshman, you know, so he, he picked off six balls. He got his hands on 15 more. So he really was quite prolific with the amount of the, with the, with the plays he made in his freshman year. You know, this kid makes plays um, at the corner position. I think, if we go back to the start of the start of the route portion of the route of his with his coverage, he's very patient with his footwork. He kind of matches angles really well um, in press. Uh, he flips his hips with ease, and when you're when he's up at the line of scrimmage in press, if he's jamming the receiver, he um, he he sort of plays chess with the receiver. Like he he has a wealth of moves that he can put at his disposal um, to neutralize a wide receiver's release and he uses them really intelligently with a plan with patience with physicality he even the best receivers struggle to get off his press um and so that's a that's a real boon to him in terms of looking at him from a raven's perspective you know the ball skills press line of scrimmage like that he's ticking boxes um for the ravens on that on those fronts um I also think he has really outstanding drive mechanics. There's no wasted movement at all when he drives from backwards backwards movement to forwards movement. There's just nothing there to 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 pick apart and say this guy can't you know is is wasting some steps or he's got too many steps. He's running around the brakes. You know he's he is he hits his back foot and bang he goes. Um, and he's an outstanding athlete. You know the the speed, the um, change of direction, the explosion. It's it's all there. And it's everything that you'd want out of a top tier, top tier corner. I think to move on to the things that sort of concern me, and there, there aren't many, um, he has some transition issues with, with his transition mechanics, specifically on deeper sort of shallow ang shallower angle routes, like posts, like deep posts and deep corners. You can see 
um, when he's in off coverage, um, sometimes he's a little bit slow to to like there there are some technical issues with with how he transitions to cover those breaks um, when they're a bit more shallower angle. But that's specifically when he's in off coverage, because when he's impressed and he can get his hands on, he can really disrupt the route and there is the no they, he doesn't allow the receiver to get into a rhythm. He uses his play strength. But when he's in off and he can't get his hands on and he can't get a feel for the route, there's there is a bit of a, a challenge there, I think. Um, I don't think he particularly sheds blockers with play strength. You know, if he's going to get involved in the run, he's going to do it with his, with processing and with footwork. He's not necessarily going to do. He's not going to throw guys aside, and that includes DB. Uh, that includes wide receivers as well. Um, and I don't think he consistently inserts himself as a run defender. So he's not a warrior like uh, like Booth. I don't think in that sense. But he's a solid tackler uh, who can go a little bit too low on occasion. Uh, but he's he's fine there. The, the real question, like I've said uh, at the start of this, is who, who are you getting? If you're getting the freshman Derek Stingley, um, then you know he's a top five pick in this draft. And quite frankly, I would put if if you are getting the freshman Derek Stingley, he's probably the the out of my evaluations the most likely to be an All Pro. Um, he's he's that good of his freshman tape. Um, if it's a bit more regression to the mean sophomore tape, then then he's still an outstanding player. And he's still, a, so the thing for Stingley is I've kind of buried the lead a little bit. He's still um, a grade above these other corners um, that we're talking about today. He's just one one solid grade above everybody else for me. Um, so he's he's outstanding. And uh, the Ravens would be, I've seen a few mock drafts where he's fallen to the Ravens. The Ravens would be very lucky um, if he fell to 14 and they should be running up the card for him. Yeah, that's the that's the interesting part, right? Because I think he's universally looked at as a top ten player. You hit the you hit the nail on the head. The upside is there for more. Um, there's like no holes in this game. I mean, the run the run defense stuff is is it is a definite worthy call out or or note because um, that is important in this defense. But we've seen Marcus Peters is 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 done just fine. He's not a guy that like plays the run with the same level as Humphrey does like in that sense. Right. But they get by with him and he sticks his nose in when he needs to. I mean, we've seen him take on Derek Henry in, in the open field and tackle him. So I think that's more of a, can they coach that up? I think so. They have a look, the Ravens have a, a, a way that they play and they're going to impound that on whoever comes in. So that's going to take, maybe take care of itself. I do love his game. And I, I think the press man coverage ability does separate him uh, a bit like from Booth, right? Like, you know what you're getting. He can line up day one. You don't have any qualms about it. There's nothing to really worry about. Um, and it enables them to also be flexible because they could, you know, you can move Humphrey to slot if you want. And that's, you can cut down on the snaps for Peters as well. And you can kind of like that's the case with all these guys, I guess, is that the other thing I, I didn't bring up at the top is that why is a corner important? I mean, can you ration Peters is a little bit like if he's not like full go at the beginning of the year just to keep his reps down. So you have a rotation and the Ravens believe in rotation. They, they, they've done it uh, at plenty. And that's a big part, product, I guess, product of, why they like to have three, four cornerbacks that are all capable of like playing. Um, the injury part scares me. And that's my only concern is 
like you said, what are you getting? Are you, if you get, and, and even if you were to tell me like this injury could, um, you know, like he could still keep him at like a very good corner level. And then the upside is like you said, uh, all pro. I mean, that's a pretty good range. I can accept that, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that scares some teams off. And as pro day will definitely be a big, big part of this uh, in terms of where he lands. So that's Derek Stingley. Um, I think we covered uh, him extensively. Let's move forward to one of the favorite uh, Rave of Ravens fans, as far as like just I think a lot of people love his name. People love his like swag. Um, you know, he's so he. I mean, all these guys fit the Ravens in different ways, right? It's really interesting. But he also fits in a way uh, because he's got a lot of traits. But let's talk about Ahmad Gardner Sauce. Um, he is uh, in that Stingley, I guess, category, right? Like he's really looking, being looked at now as a top 10 player. I've seen him consistently in the top 10, less concerns, I think, in, or less like to me, like Booth and Stingley with those health concerns, those are like legit things that might scare a team off. So, but I'll let you take it away with sauce. What do you like and, and how, what does he bring to the table? Yeah, I kind of went, I went into this evaluation. I like to be contrary at times. So I went into this evaluation of Sauce thinking, I'm not going to like him. I'm like, I was determined not to like him <laughs> just to be controversial. Um, but I mean, you, you plug in his film and you can't help but like him. Um, he, I mean, the, fir the first thing which it jumps out off the tape at you um, and the Ravens will love it. Um, is is his length? Yeah, his length is absolutely outrageous for a cornerback, um, and he, the the best thing about it is that he does actually deploy it well, specifically at the line of scrimmage in press. So he's got a high margin for error because of that length. That's the the thing to mention. But and his footwork is good too, but he can use that length to to get himself out of trouble. So. You know, and you can see him do it. You know, he'll hit he'll hit a guy with his inside hand and maybe he'll miss, maybe he'll be just a little bit too high on, on the shoulder pads. But then because of because of how long his levers are, he can bring his right hand round, his outside hand, and 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 pin you with that. It's very difficult to get off him at, um, at the line of scrimmage. So he's he's really good. He has remarkable fluidity for his size. Like uh, it's really incredible how fluid a mover he is given how long he is um and that length really does help him he he stays in phase really well in the same way that we talked about before i think he does it with speed he does it with processing still you know he's a smart guy um and he does it with physicality as well you know he's subtly physical at the at the break point in the route and he's hard to separate from because of that um, and he, he's very rarely kind of penalized for that. It's not like he's doing it illegally. Um, he uh, can beat blockers in the run game in any way. So he can win with savvy. He can win with play strength. He can win with his length. You know, he's, he's a very effective force player. He's physical. He's disciplined. He's a really good run defender because of that. Um, however, in terms of his run defense, I think it's important to to point out the tackling technique, um, which could be, uh, he can go a bit high at times, um, sort of going for the kind of highlight reel. And, but also he goes high because he knows he's got the length to be able to kind of corral people down. So I do think 
that's possibly a little bit of a of something he may need to to clean up at the next level. He's a little bit high and choppy in his back pedal, uh, but that's to be expected from from a guy that's the the size that he is. And um, he he does kind of stay on the half turn a lot to to kind of take that away. So that that that's not too much of an issue. And you don't want to get too focused, fixated on a back pedal um, when you're evaluating a defensive back because they you know they can find other ways to to win. And you know Nick Saban's a big um, proponent of that that you kind of coach to the guy that you've got across from you and um and he seems to have been coached well I, I know that I think that Luke Fickle staff at Cincinnati is is very good um he's got some false steps in his drive mechanics so when he does step back to go to to move forward he does actually step back um so you do get a couple of false steps um which kind of hurts him when he has to drive on the football um and I do think he can be a little bit over reliant on his length at the catch point so you can see him sort of, you know, he has that margin of error, like I said before. So the, the timing thing, he doesn't have to time up his um, his uh, arrival at the catch point as, as well as um, as well as others because of the length he has. The the ball skills thing is is interesting with him because he's very rarely ever targeted. So mm. he just was he he eliminated receivers from a game, um, and quarterbacks just didn't go anywhere near him. So he doesn't have a bunch of um, hands on balls, but given how much he was targeted, he did get three picks and get his hands on three other balls this year, which was pretty impressive given like how, how little, sorry, he was targeted. So, and no injury concerns with, with source either. So I think he's, you know, again, I think he's a guy who will be too good to pass up at 14, like the, the other two guys, you know, he's, He's a guy that fits the Ravens again, like we said, in in in, uh, in different ways. Um, I don't think he's as technically gifted as Stingley is as a as a press guy, but he doesn't need to be because he's got the tools for it. So I, I think there's there's a def, you know, he's he's extremely talented. He's well worth the 14th pick. Like there will be others potentially that are slightly more talented than him in my eyes, but I. He, if he slides to 14, I'm, I, I can see him being the top player on the board and, and then running the card up. Yeah, like I think one of the things you hit on is, is if you have long arms and you have length, those guys don't always have the fluidity and they can't. It's a rare thing, right? Because if you think of like long-armed corners, uh, like Richard Sherman, that was like how he made a lot of his – um, that's a, that's kind of how he won a lot of the time, right? Like his advantage was his length. Um, he's a all, you know he's a potential Hall of Fame cornerback. But the thing about Richard Sherman is, if he got put in a position where he had to cover, uh, you know, someone that has that change of direction, that quick hitting, you know, we talked about the receivers before, right? That slot receiver or that receiver that has that quickness off the line of scrimmage that can make you work at it can he recover and oftentimes i mean you've seen some of the plays where he's been embarrassed on is is against some of those receivers so i think i like really like the fact that sauce has both of those traits that is um tremendous for me like that's almost like a a, you know that's kind of like like a like that's like the difference between these three, not again, they all have, they're all very good at change direction. So, um, but the length part married with change of direction, that's kind of, you know, a rare combination. Um, and he doesn't really have any other concerns, right? Like the things that you said, 
can be corrected. Um, yeah, maybe he has, so, yeah. And you know, like if he hasn't been targeted, it's hard to get on him about, it's kind of like the offensive lineman discussion of like, well, it's hard to get on a guy for not being a good run blocker when he's not really like being used that way. So I do like him uh, a lot. I like the fit a lot. Uh, and I think they would definitely go for him. The question being like, if he's on the board at the same time with these other two guys, then like, you know, that's, 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 that's tough to gauge like which way, but um, I, I think, yeah, he's definitely like got a lot going for him and uh, the match for the Ravens makes a, a ton of sense. Um, so there, there's that. I think uh, he's not hype. He's, he's got game to use the, uh, the Spike Lee, you know, movie title. Um, all right. We're moving along to our final guy on the list um who's also i think a very it's just funny how this pod has gone like in the direction we had to start with offensive tackle and we talked about penning and we talked about like me we don't like penning at that pick i don't know if i can go that far with this next guy but it's kind of more like that except i like him as a little bit better a player and a prospect so we're talking about trent mcduffie um and mcduffie's another clean prospect for the most part i mean it's just a matter of i don't think he's as i think the upside is like not at the same level as those other, other three guys but um i want you to talk about him and what do you see um and i think you and i will have a lot of similar notes on one thing i like about him that i hope you cover here um but let's talk about it let's see what you say first and then we'll compare notes <laughs> okay i think um so trent mcduffie and his fit with the Ravens is one of my favorite conversations about it in this draft class. Um, so I've talked loads already uh, in this podcast and, and the offensive tackle podcast that you're in the projection business. So if you if you are making a projection about a player and you're thinking how good could he be, even if you're at an amateur level in the way that we do things, it, it, it behooves you to make sure that you are I think watching enough film to understand these players in, in depth and Trent McDuffie, um, you could watch several games of McDuffie and you wouldn't see him once at the line of scrimmage. Um, that was just how Washington used him. He was in off and bail coverage all of the time. And most of the time he was bailing into a, into a deep zone. Um, so you have to watch a ton of film on McDuffie and you have to find the right game to be able to see him play some press um, and to, to be able to, to sort of project his line of scrimmage skills. And so my thing for me is you can see him do it. Uh, and he does kind of match angles pretty well with his footwork. I, I do think bigger wide receivers overwhelm him at the, at the, at the line of scrimmage. I do think, um, he could be more patient against in when he's um, going against the space release, which is when a receiver is kind of closing the space with like a power skip or a hop, and then they go into a press um, press release. I think um, he could be a bit more patient when he's facing those. But I also think that a lot of that is around the fact that he hasn't done it very much. And I, I do think he has pretty good play strength. So I'm not necessarily sort of ruling him out as a potential press corner but also the Ravens don't always need to like Marcus Peters isn't the best press corner in the world um so you do want slightly different flavors you don't always want the long 
physical press corner. They have one of those already. In fact, they have one of the best ones in the league um, in, in Humphrey. So Trent McDuffie brings something different. And I like what he brings when he brings something different because so the, the thing that he is, he may not have got his hands on a lot of balls, but he is an elite processor. He really is. His his football intelligence for me is is possibly, you know, I one of the one of the rankings I give for for whether someone's a fit with the Ravens is intelligence. Um, and obviously that also sort of encompasses processing. It's very rare that I give a five for that, which is the, the highest grade I would give um, on that front. And I gave him a five. And that's how good he is um, in terms of reading route progressions, reading the quarterback. When he is in zone, he, he's, he just, he is, he's exceptional at understanding what is going on. He's breaking down the play as it's happening and he's reacting to it. Um but what he does is he has great play speed because he combines that processing with outstanding technique. Um, so he's very fluid. He's a very smooth mover. He will always stay in phase um, when, he's in, when he's in off man. Uh, he has a really quick trigger from zone, not only on short passes underneath, but also on, on run plays. And he will get to the runner. He wins with, you know, he gets, he gets a good angle winning with, with, with his processing. So, and he's a good tackler. He's a really good tackler. So I think he can get boxed out a little at the catch point. I think he can get overpowered a little bit in the release. Um, and the scheme really does make a full evaluation of him really difficult because you are projecting but I really, really like McDuffie. I think he's a level below Stingley and uh, Booth. I think, but I think for what he is, and that's not necessarily what we're used to used to looking for as Ravens fans, as Ravens analysts. I do think he is on the same level as Sauce Gardner in terms of his talent. And I don't hate the fit with the Ravens because I do think you need some variety in those corners. Marcus Peters is getting a little bit older. And for me, that's who, that's who McDuffie replaces. Um, now, we haven't seen him get his hands on loads of balls. We haven't seen him be the kind of playmaker Marcus Peters is. So I'm not saying he's Marcus Peters. But Peters allows the Ravens to do different things in coverage. He allows them to be a bit more multiple on the back end. And McDuffie would allow you to do that because he excels so much in zone coverage. Yeah, and the other thing I was thinking, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think he can play slot too. So. Yeah. So the position versatility, you kind of nailed it. Like, that's what stood out to me. Slot, zone, you know, he's got off coverage ability. Yeah, I mean, maybe he, he lacks a little bit on the press side. But like you said, I agree that if you were to go away from, um, you know, if you were to go away from Tavon Young, um, we've seen that this team is – is really struggled at times when they haven't had that inside, like when they haven't had both off man slash abilities, like for a guy to move around and kind of give them that versatility that they've, they have been, they have been challenged by that. Um, the teams that they're facing, you mentioned Boyd, you mentioned um, again, the contenders, right? Like Cole Beasley. Um, you know, I don't, I, I mean, the Kansas City guys, they don't really have a slot guy, but they have guys that can that can hurt you with their speed and change of direction. So, and I think zone is important to highlight because 
Mike McDonald's going to play a lot of zone. He's already talked about it. He plays a variety of zones. I do think he'll install more zone than, than the Wink used. Like Wink was a cover three guy or a cover one guy, right? A lot of it was in that they, I think they ran the most cover three coverage in the league, um, if I'm not mistaken. So too high. Are you, are you going to see more too high? Are you going to see more cover two? Are you going to see more quarters? Like all these variations of zones. But it's the processing ability. Can you disguise it and then become, you know, one thing post pre-snap, post-snap? Then you need corners that can do that, that can understand it, and they can they can jump from different looks and then be able to recover and then play zone. So I think I like all of that. Like the football IQ is important, being able to execute that in Mike McDonald's defense, which I think is going to rely on a lot of sleight of hand. And yeah, I like him a lot for all the reasons you outlined as well, but we're on the same page about, I think it's not a bad thing that he's got primarily zone experience because if they use more zone, if they if they bake in more zone, then what are you going to do, right? You're, you're still got, you're got corners that are a little bit more, like Chris Westry is, is a outside boundary kind of corner. That's where he, he's strongest. You take him, you put him in zone, you put him in positions where, um, and we saw that the Ravens had to play more zone when their injuries happened last year. And what were the, and you and I talked about it during battle plans, right? Like you can't shift that all the way because your, your personnel isn't capable of playing that, that style. So I think um, why not get more guys that can do both or at least, yeah, maybe you shade more to zone. That's not a bad thing. Um, and they'll give you that, they'll give you that value when you have to play zone. You're so right, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the with the disguise point. Like that, that's really true. Like you, you need guys that can do both if you're going to do that. And you like some of some of these guys. I, you know, I I believe wholeheartedly. I think in, in McDuffie's ability to do that. So I think he really does give you a range of different things that you can do on the back end. And he he's a he's a guy that could be really, really used really effectively. And so I agree with you. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about McDuffie's fit with the Ravens because I think it's not a, it's not a conventional fit. You know, we've just talked about three corners who all fit really well with what we expect from the Ravens, but I don't think that that does eliminate McDuffie. I think because you can see like if he was just purely his own corner, who I didn't believe could, could press, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't think this, um, I, but I do think he's he's got. I do think he would have the ability to do that. So, in that sense, he's he's a he's a really nice fit. Yeah, I agree. And again, is there going to be a more talented guy there at fourteen? I think possibly, like probably, right? That's the other conversation. Like, can you get a def- pass rusher, defensive lineman? Um, is there going to be somebody that sl- that slides out, and maybe one of the cor- one of the other cornerbacks slides out? So then. Then I think the, that McDuffie being the fit at that particular position, uh, particular place in the draft, um, maybe not. Then you maybe again yeah, you trade down. Can you get him uh, like between the rest, like the latter part of the teens? Um, you know, I, I think corner is also a position that I've noticed that usually there's always a guy that's like that slips to the twenties even. So um, last year. And this was based on injury, but our guy, what was, who was the guy that t- the Titans drafted? 
I'm like drawing a blank on his name with the back injury, and I'm just butchering it right now. Maybe I'll take a quick peek, look it up. But he fell um, to them right in that pick. So uh, let's see, 2021 draft. This guy. Um, give me a second here. Yeah, Farley, Caleb Farley. So like, oh, Caleb Farley. Yeah. So that's a guy that that fell. I mean, like I think that was projected to go sooner and had a lot of the the concerns of. I mean, injury base, but regardless, I mean, you see usually like it's always a corner that slips. So, um, but we'll see. I think yeah, a lot of good stuff with them as well with uh, McDuffie. So, any parting thoughts? I think we covered a lot. Um, you know, with the subject. Yeah, I think I just I just reiterate what I said at the start, which is that I do think this is where the the talent and need sort of thing will mesh best. You know, there there are some intriguing edge defenders that we'll get onto it to talk about at some point that that may also may also drop down there. But I, I just think that Stingley, specifically Stingley and Booth and Gardner, and I do think McDuffie does kind of rise to it, but I think specifically Stingley and Booth, uh, definitely Stingley, are of the, of a level of talent that is kind of what you would want at 14. You know, you want a real talented guy to drop to you at 14. And that's what I feel. You know, we'll talk about it when we get to the edge guys, but, you know, there are some some uh, sort of concerns, holes in in those ga- in in the games of some of those players. You know, Ajabo, a there, there are some things to talk about with Ajabo. Um, so I just feel that these guys, like a few of these guys really are just slam dunk potential picks. And when corner is this kind of sneaky need, it just, it does make me think that this is a position that, that they could end up going in the first round. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you pick at that level again, what is the, what is the goal? The goal is to get another pro bowl game winning type of player. Um, and if they got that, I think they, that that the Costa would have succeeded. But and and these corners represent that, right? Like you're gonna get a guy that doesn't have very many holes in their games, and the things that they have holes in their games are just very like minor. So yeah, I agree. I think that's some um, worth consideration when you're thinking about and, and matching up and comparing notes. But I have my thoughts on that, so we'll 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 get to that um, because I do have some very uh, strong opinions about like the value of a pass rusher versus the value of a, of a shutdown corner. So, but I'll save that for the next time because we don't want to give that away, but this was, this was fun. Um, Please check out uh, James's full reports though, on all these corners, Um, you know, read them and you'll see a level of detail. That's even more than we talked, we talked about here, frankly, Uh, check out the Ravens draft central website, check out, the Ravens, uh, I mean, uh, a Russell Street Report website, which covers uh, beyond the draft, of course. And we have a, you know, a battalion of, of guys that that write about a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, every once in a while, I dust myself off and write and, and read my stuff there, too. So read, read about non-draft stuff if you want. But uh, anyway, that's that does it for this pod. So uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.